Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hey parents, Jack and Claire's Children's Boutique in Oxford features the latest brands of baby and children's clothing, shoes, toys, and accessories. Check out Jack and Claire's Facebook page too. Jack and Claire's Children's Boutique, West Jackson Avenue, next to Belk. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates every single day the people who make coastal Mississippi and really Mississippi for that matter such an amazing place to live, work, and play. Hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday and thank you for. For joining us in growing numbers, we, we're just thrilled with the numbers on the radio side and, of course, in social media and podcasts. People continue to come to the show because, they, you know, they want a d- dose of positive. I mean, this show, I mean, we're going to tackle a tough issue from time to time. But the, the, the bottom line is we don't want this show to be about politics. We want it to be about uh, you know, celebrating the kind of efforts, the kind of people that it takes to build a, a better community. And we're just so fortunate to live in this collection of, of incredible communities here in coastal Mississippi and to be part of a state like Mississippi that has so much to offer, so much to offer from blues music to, you know, enjoying some of the most beautiful drives in the world. You know, in fact, speaking of beautiful drives, I was at my place in the Mississippi Delta this past weekend and it's a beautiful time to be in the Delta because there's starting to do some harvesting. The soybeans are, are at least harvesting a corn. The soybeans and the cotton are so green. Uh, it's just a, it's a beautiful time to be there. I did actually, while I was there, I had a couple of troubling conversations with some friends who live in the Delta, and it, it was about COVID. And, you know, essentially they were explaining to me why they weren't going to get the vaccine. And unfortunately, so much of what they had to say involved misinformation. And you know, I, I think people are going to make their own decision about the vaccine, but I think the most important thing I can do to the extent that I can make a difference at all is just get people, get make sure people have the best information. But there's so much misinformation on the Internet and on Facebook, and people are acting on that. And as a result of it, a lot of people are ending up in the hospital. So we're, we're hitting record numbers. And the reality is Dr. Dobbs said today that, you know, this thing may not peak for a couple more months. If we continue to see exponential growth of Delta over the next couple couple of months. I can't tell you how significant that's going to be for our hospitals. I just can't tell you. So we got to we got to stay focused on getting people vaccinated. And I did my best with my friends. I'm not sure I turned them, but I was just struck by how passionate they were and how solidly focused they were on their decision. And some of their decision was based on false information. That's sad. That's the world we live in today, unfortunately. Um, hey, I talk all the time about coastal Mississippi is a very resilient community. We have been tested time and time again. Hurricane Katrina obviously being sort of the pinnacle moment. Not that the p- pandemic hasn't challenged us greatly. But I, I talk about that a lot because in our DNA is this sense of taking care of your neighbor. And, uh, you know, th- you know, when, when the going gets tough, people don't ask you what political party you're in. They just want to know what kind of help they can be for you. And our ability to bounce back, our ability to help our neighbors is really in our DNA. So I talk 
talk about George H.W. Bush all the time. What he had to say was so inspiring about the importance of volunteerism in a community. And if you go to Wikipedia, I just want to read to you kind of a just one paragraph that, from Wikipedia about the thousand points of light that I talk about so often. Here is uh, here's what it says. The term was used by George H.W. Bush in his speech accepting the presidential nomination at the 1988 Republican National Convention in New Orleans, Louisiana, by the way. Uh, written for Bush by Peggy Noonan and Craig Smith, the address likened America's clubs and volunteer organizations to a brilliant diversity spread like stars, like a thousand points of light in a broad and peaceful sky. Bush reprised the phrase near the end of his speech, affirming that he would keep America moving forward, always forward, for a better America, for an endless enduring dream and a thousand points of light. It takes a thousand points of light, I believe, to drive a community like Coastal Mississippi. You have so many nonprofits, we call them non-governmental organizations, that are working with government to find people that have needs. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be gaps. You may be putting a little bit too much water over there and not enough food over there. And you have volunteers that are coming to the forefront that fill these gaps. They are the thousand points of light. And we're so blessed here in coastal Mississippi to have so many of them. Today's guest is someone who knew George H.W. Bush personally. And he's one of the thousand points of light here in coastal Mississippi. So if you want to be inspired, today is the day to pay very close attention as we have a conversation with my friend Bob Sawyer, uh, a, a longtime Gulfport native and someone I've known for a very, very long time. Bob, how you doing this morning? Good, Rick. Nice to see you you today, and I appreciate you uh, reaching out to me. Yeah, it's a it's a well, look. I've been looking forward to to uh, having a conversation with you for for a long time. You're an Ole Miss graduate. You own Trinity Investments in downtown Gulfport. You former chairman of the Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're a board member there. Uh, but you spend an incredible amount of time. I'm so impressed, Bob, following you over all these years. The amount of energy that you put into volunteering in the emergency room at Memorial Hospital. I want to I want to kind of break all that down for a second. But I mean, I've only scratched the surface to your contributions to coastal Mississippi. So we're going to get into your volunteerism. We're going to get into how did you get into the investment business? And then toward the end, I want to tell a few stories because you. You've been fishing with President Bush. You've had the opportunity to meet some really incredible people along your journey. And, uh, man, there's a lot to talk about. I don't know if we can get it all in in the short time we have together. But thank you for for agreeing to join me today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So fire away. Well, so when you when you think about how I started the show, and if you if you listen regularly, you know that I talk about the thousand points of light all the time. But, you know, when Bush sort of challenged America, to to continue to you know even even in political times to work together to build a better America through volunteerism. When did you become so focused on? I, we'll come to the ER in just a second, but when did you become so focused that you want to give back in a volunteer role and make a difference? Well, you know, I think I I go back to when I got out of college uh, at Ole Miss and came home to work in the family business, real estate and uh, switched over it, uh, which we'll get into a little bit. But um, I uh, was very active and I got a call from my older brother, Lenny, uh, when I got home from college, it was about 1979. And he said, hey, um, 
now you're here, you've got to get active on the coast and be involved. And he said, I got a call today from George Slogel. And uh, George wants you to uh, escort Miss USA around and uh, shore the coast and her her es- her uh, chaperone that was with her. And he said, we're getting ready to have the pageant here. And uh, so I spent about four years helping and being involved with the pageant. And uh, my effective title, believe it or not, I was the uh, swimsuit film coordinator. <laughs> and uh, uh Jokingly, I use that term, but what I did is I did all the site locations and we prepared everything that you saw that was viewed outside of the Coliseum I helped put together. And uh, and it tur- it's funny that it turns out it's ironic that years later I end up doing the same thing as an advanced man for George H.W. Bush, uh, Daddy Bush, and uh, doing uh, – logistics and laying out the trip as an advanced person. So Mm -hmm. all those came together. And uh, I just want to add one thing that made me think about this. When I got involved as a teenager in the Young Republicans, now I'm talking uh, 50 years ago or more, um, there was a guy by the name of who kind of latched on to me on the national level, but he was involved in the Nixon administration. His name was Greg Petersmeyer, and he ended up working for two two presidents, and he ended up being involved as head of Colin Powell with him, too, of the points of life. So it's amazing and ironic how it all comes together. It is, and, you know, you think about it, because in the, in the early days of Cosio, I had an opportunity to visit with Lenny and to, to hear about your family's incredible contributions to coastal Mississippi, being part of that the history of of Gulfport and really the coast and the, the, the role that you guys have played in so many different ways. And then of course you mentioned George Slogel, the opportunity to visit with George as well to see how much it meant to him to have people who are willing to be leadership leaders in the community and volunteer their time, had your cousin Roy Anderson on and same kind of story as well. You know, it's the dots connect in coastal Mississippi. We find our inspiration might be from family. It might be from a family's commitment. It could be from leaders in the community that reach out to us. So let's fast forward a little bit. How did you decide you wanted to do volunteerism at the at the hospital? Well, a group of us meet uh, or met regularly before they closed at the palace downtown for years, having coffee every morning before we went into the office. And there's a couple guys there um, who had been uh, – one of them, Bill Magnuson, and retired highway patrolman. And we got to talk, and I said, you know, the kids are grown, and they're the. Uh, it's my wife and I. And the dog left, you know, and uh, I didn't have much hobbies at all. I'm not a golfer, and um, I used to fish, but uh, I haven't fished in a while. Had a Grady White at one time, about a 34 foot, before Katrina, and uh, but I, I needed some type of something to fulfill that. Uh, uh, ADD mentality of myself and uh, I, they started talking about how one of them was involved in, in the Memorial Hospital working uh, in the emergency room and I said well God tell me more about it go ahead let's do let's do this Bob we'll, we'll pick sure. up right there tell me more about the work in the emergency room from this this group that you were meeting with on a regular basis you're beginning to get inspired to uh, to go volunteer yourself and it led to this long incredible commitment I don't know how many hundreds of hours but we're going to come back to that when we get out. This is Bob Sawyer, uh, a, a wonderful coast leader here in coastal Mississippi. And we're talking about volunteerism and some other cool things uh, that have happened in his life. We'll be back after this break. 
Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast U. Uh, keep America moving forward, always forward for a better America, for an endless, enduring dream and a thousand points of light. That was President George H.W. Bush in 1988. Uh, we had the pleasure this morning of talking with Bob Sawyer, who is a consummate, I mean, significant volunteer. You're about to understand why I say it so emphatically like that here in just a second. He's one of the thousand points of light that george hw bush talked about and uh and he also knew president bush personally we're going to hear more about that here in just a second but when we went to break bob you were saying that you were around you you met regularly with some friends and one of them started talking about volunteerism and the er so why don't you pick it up from there sure what i had to do uh first they had to do a little background check on me and uh the uh department that runs all that for memorial and check me out, and uh, they we set up a schedule that I would work, you know, okay with my work here that I'm doing. And uh, it was pretty wide open because, you know, you've got to fi- you find a lot of people uh, for whatever reason. And this was especially very true after COVID was the fact that uh, they're a little scared to work in the ER. And uh, but you had to get acclimated to it you had to know everything about it because there's there is no room for any type of special mistakes whatsoever on a volunteer that works in there i mean you've got to you got to be right on and work with everybody and keep a happy smile on your face the uh thing that i found when i first started was the uh, uh rns were really uncomfortable with me uh i don't know why because they're just uh, incredible people, but they just are, you know, they, they wanted to understand why somebody, I guess, who is a business person in the business world is doing this, not retired or what have you, because I think that's what they always had. So chocolate brownies take care of everything. So <laughs> especially down from, from the quality bakery. So uh, I became a big hit on that. Well, see, but Bob, I can get this. Here's a guy who comes from a pretty, you know, if you think about local history, a pretty famous family. Um, you you own your own investment uh, company, you know Trinity Investments in downtown Gulfport. You're not retired, and now here you are volunteering an enormous amount of your time and energy in the in the ER. And I bet it did take them a while to adjust to that. They're like, I don't understand this. This is not your typical volunteer. How, you know, I know the brownies were important, but you actually had to be quite patient for a period of time, didn't you? You do. And there's things that you have to learn. There's certain would surprise people. I don't know if you know, but there's there's actually about 56 rooms in the emergency room. And uh, out of that, they, they, they're broken down into like trauma and then chest pain. And then you have med one and med two behavioral. And uh, there's three rooms that you'll remember before you can any bring anybody back, any family member or do anything you uh, it's number one, nineteen, and thirty-five, 
And those are very, very serious rooms. And mm -hmm. uh, if you have somebody in those, you know, it's something that uh, it's going to take a while. So I had to learn all these things. And it was, it went pretty, it goes very fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's amazing to me, too, is the staff, the nurses, believe it or not, they go in and they work from seven to seven and they have their four day or three day shift that they do. But they don't have a lunch break. Uh, there is no lunch break. I've never seen one of them. They'll go get a sandwich in the cafeteria, wherever, and bring it to their desk. And before they take a bite, they're in another room or they're going to something else. So I have my hats off to these guys. They're just, including the doctors, they're just amazing. You're just amazing what we have. And, hey, so, uh, Bob, what's your normal, tell me what's your normal volunteer schedule? Well, uh, like, for instance, right now, I'm uh, uh, on a Monday afternoon like for, but i'm not doing it right now because i let off when my daughter's pregnant she's going to have a baby in christmas on uh, december so uh she hasn't she, because of the pregnancy did not do the shot and i don't want to take the chance of bringing anything in or any possibility so right after that but my shift is normally at monday at noon and uh nobody comes in right now really till after after me so I usually go to four or five, and then nobody really kind of wants to work weekends like that. So sometimes on weekends, if I'm bored or whatever, I'll just pick up a shift or two. And Sundays, and, uh, you know, uh, you can pretty well tell what's going on there. It's kind of clockwork. Uh, if it's a damn good sermon on Sunday, you're going to have a few people in there, believe me. <laughs> well, look, here's you, you may not know this, but I went to University of Alabama in Birmingham. I became a paramedic. I worked as a paramedic for mobile medic wow. for a period of time and in part time for a while. While when I changed, I was in pre med. I eventually changed my major, went on to get an MBA, and you know did an internship at the Sun Herald, and the rest is history. But but I got to see and appreciate what life for first responders, and I spent a lot of time in the emergency room for many years. And you know what we you know what's been interesting because of that perspective, I've been able to watch. Uh, the evolution of Memorial, the evolution of Singing River Health Systems, and 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 what what is what is for first of all, I'll say this: we're extraordinarily lucky to have such a unbelievably professional and able healthcare system in coastal Mississippi. And you you spend your time at Memorial, so we'll spend our time talking about Memorial. But I think this is a you know because of the pandemic, it gives us a great opportunity to reflect about this team approach they've developed at the hospital and how it's saving lives every single day. And I bet you see stuff. I know you, because I've been there, I, you see stuff that will break your heart. But at the same time, you see things, some situations that you would never have thought would turn out positive, that turn out miraculously positively, because so many dedicated people are focused on literally saving lives every single day. You, you, you know, say that from your perspective. Well, one day, it uh, was one of my first uh, encounters after when I started working there, one of the techs, but techs usually wear the uh, red uh, outfits and the nurses have blue. And they had a call, a major call that was in front of the hospital. And some kids had dropped a young boy off and believe it or not, he had been shot uh, in the back and he was laid out. He was dead. 
And one of the techs got there and then before everybody else and the doctor, but she started doing compressions and right on the chest compressions and working on him. Next thing I know, she's flying past me on top of the gurney, bringing it back to uh, trauma one. And she was continually doing the compressions. That little boy lived. And there was two of them uh, that actually were in the car that had a gun went off or what have you, the long story short. But they dropped him off, believe it or not. And thank God she was trained as a tech, you know, because that's what they do. And I watched. It was just the most amazing thing to see uh, that child come back to life. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I bet you've developed some really close you know, associations and friendships from your work, haven't you? Well, I see a lot. What's amazing, too, is when you I've seen people that I haven't seen since elementary school and they'll come in and it's always good when they uh, people see somebody, you know, emergency room means something serious and something traumatic is going on in your life. And the first thing that's really good, too, I think, and I've seen is when you see a familiar face. And, you know, you let them know everything's great. There's a good team, the good nurse that's going to be working with you. And my whole job is focus on the family. And when when somebody's in, you know, I make sure the family is in a certain area and then we bring them back. And then I, you know, I've been allowed to, because I want to do a little bit more, triage the patients over to where the RN is, which is not a, a big deal. But, you know, you're kind of in the middle of, what's happening and keeps you from getting bored. And um, there's so much, believe me, we need a lot of help there. I mean, there's so many areas the volunteers can work from the gift shop to the areas where they do the blood work to uh, surgical waiting. I mean, we're in need of everybody. It's about 140 volunteers. Uh, And uh, believe it or not, I'm probably number four or five uh, on the list of the youngest out of the list. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so we really need people, and it's a great way to serve your community and and be involved. Well, Bob, the thing this is Bob Sawyer. We're having a conversation with him. We're talking about volunteerism at Memorial Hospital, but uh, in this part of the segment, we're going to move on and talk about other things shortly. But you know, Bob, you you you, you kind of went past that really quickly. So let me let me kind of come back to this. What you just said though is that you're dealing with families. When they have, you know, who knows, it runs the spectrum of possibilities in terms of why they might need the emergency room. But you've had to be with families in, in the worst of their moments and maybe the worst moment ever and maybe that, that will ever happen to them. And I understand the kind of emotional intelligence that 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 create that occur that that is needed. Let me say it that way. And the kind of faith that that is needed in, in those moments. But when we come back, Bob, I want to talk about that just a second and say, you know, what gives you the strength to help people in those moments? And then we're going to shift gears. I, w- I want to hear about your investment co- company, and then we'll we'll tell a few stories about your time working with, with uh, President Bush. We'll be back with Bob Sawyer after this. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgolfcoast.com. 
And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Every single day here on Tuesday is not an exception. We talk about things that, and we talk to people about things that will motivate you and, and inspire you. And today, just hearing the kind of energy that uh, Bob Sawyer from the famous Gupport Sawyer family and uh, has his own investment firm, Trinity Investments in downtown Gupport, you know, it's, 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 it's important to hear the stories of their, uh, in his case, his volunteerism at, at Memorial Hospital and to see these are the kind of people that we have in this community. These are the thousand one of the, one of the thousand points of light of people giving back to the community. OK, so, Bob, when we went to break, I was talking about the emotional intelligence that, that is required to do the job that you do. Sort of this go between between the medical team that's working on a family member and the family. Why don't you what how do you do that? what what's what what gives you the, the strength to do that? Uh, you know, it's it's. God, I just God is. I pray that God is with me and and walks every step with me when I'm in there. It just, it's you know when you have a situation where, and and I think I've mentioned this before, but the the, the there's a certain sound, and you don't want to ever be there. It's the shriek of a mother who just lost a child, and that's oh, that sound is horrifying. It'll live with you, and. Uh, you're there. I was in a situation where a, where a young man was killed and his best friend and, and of course, the man's wife were there. And, you know, I knew when I walked in the room um, and the physician had come in, I knew it was over. And uh, but they're looking down, you'd see, you know, their their, their whole life from that point on is changed. And before they knew it, I knew it. And you worry and you pray for that person. And and the the friend, the the best friend was so emotionally torn that he was literally on his knees in tears. And his three little boys came up and put their arms around their daddy's neck and cried with him. And this is just one instance of what you see or where you are and what you deal with when you're working there. Well, God bless you for willing to to do that and all the others uh, who volunteer their time at Memorial and other hospital institutions here along the coast of Mississippi. You're just one of those thousand points of light. Let's shift gears. Um, your, your Trinity Investments, tell me about that. Well, Trinity uh, started with Susie and I uh, a long time ago uh, because I originally was with a couple of firms, Payne Weber and Howard Wheel. And uh, I was traveling with the president at the time and the president's first cousin, former U.S. ambassador to uh, Hungary, uh, was George Herbert Walker, Bert Walker. And I got to know Bird on the campaign trail and a lot of things. And he owned Steeple Nicholas at the time. And it was just a very, very small firm. I mean, it was based out of St. Louis. And he was very close to the president. They grew up together. The president, Bush, he worked for uh, Bert's dad when Bert's dad was a congressman. And, and, you know, so it all came together. And so he said, look, I want you to open a Steeple office for us, uh, you and Susie, down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And... Uh, we said, heck yeah. 
And uh, it was perfect for us. And we, we set up the office. And, and now Stiefel is all over the world. I mean, it's a major, major player, major firm. But we're just uh, – we're with independent advisors now because of Katrina hit. You know, the original thought was we had set up an office down in Sarasota, Florida, because we had a home there for about 19 years in Longboat Key. And now we said we can't leave our family and friends. This is our place. And so they they switched us over to the independent side. And because everything, as you well know, you were highly involved with it, Rick. The coast was devastated. And, uh, you know, for a long time, we worked, Susie and I ran our business out of a trailer right downtown Gulfport with our family. And... Uh, of course, she had the she had the little office with a heart tub, but uh, you know we all got to understand all about that. So that's how I brought that in, and we we started working together with it. And you know I've been in this uh, started with a family business uh, after college, but uh, not everybody wants to go back and work on the farm. And I love current events. I love that, and that's what the stock market's about. It's current events, and and uh, that's that's how I got involved in it. So we uh, have. About uh, four or five hundred households we work with, and we've got about two hundred twenty-five, almost a quarter of a billion dollars we manage. So you know, we got a great little business. My daughter's with us now; she's practicing attorney and working with us, and we're real excited about it. Wow, that's that's awesome. It's good good to hear. Uh, you know, a coast guy do well and find find his way to make his mark, and certainly you've done that. You know. Gosh, man, there's got to be so many stories. You talked about working, how you came to be uh, a member of the of the White House advance team. It turned into a multi-year gig. You got to travel all over the world with President Bush. As, as you, when you look back, I mean, do you still kind of have to pinch yourself to say that actually happened? You know, it started really when we were young Republicans. A lot of us. I was with uh, uh, Wicker. And um, there was Lanny Griffith and all of us. And uh, believe it or not, we used to go up and down the state of Mississippi. And with Carl Rove, he had a little Rove had this uh, uh, damn Vega car. It was called a Vega back then. And uh, and we we uh, did a lot of campaigns. I had a room that I shared of his in in 76 in D.C., and, you know, all these people, a lot of them, uh, I knew Stone real well, Roger, and uh, we knew, you know, believe it or not, Stone and um, Rove don't have a college degree. They work campaigns. They never finished, you know. That's how these people were, you know, and I was on the road doing campaigns and should have finished in 77, went on in 79, but, you know, the political side was more important to me at that time, and and that's what we did all during Mississippi, doing Gil Carmichael's campaign, Leon Bramlett's campaign, you know, straight on up. And uh, but it was a lot of fun. And then I ran into friends that uh, had worked and continue to work. And that's how I was asked to be a volunteer like I am now. And I was a volunteer with the Bush campaign and the Bush uh, when he was president and uh, the RNC play, paid course my expenses but i traveled and you know it was in south america canada i did the all-star game uh, i had uh, at the all-star game uh, the president had uh, uh, ted williams and jody maggio with us and they gave me a signed baseball and i have it to this day i can't believe it but uh, one of the one of the advanced people that asked uh, dimaggio uh, you know, we have a suite in here the president has. It's food. It's everything. And uh, he said, uh, 
young lady, he said, I'd like a hot dog with just mustard. Would you go get it for me? Boy, she did. You know, gave him two. In fact, got him two of them. And, uh, you know, he knows how to handle a good baseball game. And and uh, Ted Williams was a lot of fun, too. Amazing. When, uh, when George... H.W. Uh, Bush was vice president. He came to the coast. I must have been during the campaign. I don't remember the exact situation. But I was at the Sun here and had an opportunity to go over, and I met him and I met his wife Barbara. And I can't, you know, what I recall about it was, you know, first of all, I was starstruck, but at the same time, I was thinking how nice they were and how much they treated me like like I, they had known me forever, and I, that just made a lasting impression. Then fast forward to Hurricane Katrina, uh, working so closely with Haley Barber on the recovery efforts and getting the opportunity to meet with uh, his son, uh, President Bush, on a number of occasions and remembering how nice he was and how thoughtful he was and how you know much he treated you like. He remembered my name, Bob. That was one of the things that struck me about him. And But, you know, this family, this family was just an incredible family, weren't they? Incredible. And, um, you know, it's it's amazing. Even going back to Burt Walker, how close he was with him and he hired me. You know, uh, they were he was a very devout Christian man, Mr. Uh, President Bush, uh, even young George. And uh, but the one that I admired and it was crazy. She it was Barbara. I mean, on fishing trips, we'd always I'd have to pack up and go around New Year's. Susie knew I was heading out. And you'd on a trip when you're going out, you'd go a week. And then for overseas, it was two weeks to set it up ahead of time. But she loved to go fishing. And she uh, uh, was so delightful. And just uh, uh, she made everybody feel at ease. Just amazing. Great family. I mean, uh, you know, from, from to all of them. And um, it, 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 it it's curious, though, about, you know, these opportunities to s- sort of rub shoulders in that sort of way. But what do, what kind of thoughts come to mind? Does it come to mind that, you know, they're people just like us? They're, they stepped up to the plate. And what I'm getting to observe is someone in their most significant leadership moment. How do you reflect on it? What you were what you were observing? You know, I kind of was awestruck about what was around me. The the big thing about, I guess it's kind of like working in the ER too. You know, or when we're kids, you're you're to, you're to be seen and not heard, and that's the way you did when you work with the bush. I mean, you're you're not going to walk up and pat him on the back. You're not going to get close. But what was even more interesting to me is be sitting with a Secret Service agent that actually had the football or the military aide who had the football, and 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 he had it handcuffed to his hand and you looked at that thing and you knew right then that piece of material that nylon little uh with an antenna coming out of the top that nylon briefcase could end it all Woo, man that that is sobering that for sure hey this is bob sawyer when we come back we're going to continue some stories of his time with president bush we'll see you after this break Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I often say on Coast View that if you want to find, if you want to get something done, you got to find a busy person to do it. That's, I mean, every single good leader I know, the people who commit their time to a community, 
they are busy people. They're CEOs. They're leading divisions of companies. And in Bob Sawyer's case, he's got his own investment firm, Trinity Investments in downtown Gulfport. But, man, you want to find, you know, you want to get something done, find a busy person to do it. They know how to sort of manage their time. You know, Bob, as we were reflecting, you said, okay, so when you did a, wild, a White House advance team effort, a White House advance team for people who don't know what that is, if the president's going to go to Cleveland, then you there's an advance team that goes to Cleveland ahead of them to get prepared and it's there's a lot of work that has to be done so if a president goes out on the on the road and makes multiple stops there are going to be multiple advanced teams out there to do the thing in addition to that when they go off to say uh you know europe or to wherever they're going to go a, a team has to go there as well and bob you mentioned that when you did a, an international event it took two weeks of your time when you traveled or you know really around the world what's what city outside the United States really stuck out to you as something that was just a special occasion for you? Well, Caracas was amazing, you know, uh, and in South America, the poverty, being able to see all of that. I wish there are things that I know now uh, as a part of being involved in Catholicism, the Catholic Church, that I had wish I had spent more time uh, in <clears throat> Caracas, in that area, looking at things. Also, when you mentioned Cleveland, I did about, not, I'm not kidding you, probably six or seven trips to Cleveland. And and it was basically, there was a, there, there was a big voting uh, block there. And, um, but I remember one time, uh, and I think it was Cleveland, uh, or it was Columbus, but I had to call these people. They had a list the president wanted me to call. And so I called Art Modell. He owned the Cleveland Browns at the time. And I said, the president wanted me to let you know he'll be coming to town. And uh, Art Modell, Mr. Modell said, look, uh, anything you need, uh, I have a club next door and I'm going to give you the number. And, and that's my, my charge account. Have your dinner, you know, whatever. And then I was a volunteer, so it didn't make a damn. You know, I mean, I, I uh, it, you know, that that. Things like that helped us out, and we were very appreciative. But there's, you know, a lot of that. Um, you look back on um, these people, um, um, and, and talking about advance, I uh, was approached um, to do. You know, politics is a young man's game. Mm -hmm. Okay, these are for young people, um, and. Uh, the older we get, you don't see a lot of us. I mean, I was. They talked to me about going with when Trump first started running, and I knew that uh, Stone was running everything. Roger was running everything behind the scenes. No if or ands. I'm just telling you, he was. He's a genius, and so is Rove. But I was, I was convinced when I saw, and I text Tate Reeves, and I said to him, I said, he's got fourteen thousand people set up to come to the Mississippi Ghost Coliseum. You better get down there. I never heard from him. But I'll, in, a, in a nice way, I'll say this, that I was asked about the Vance. I said, hell no. I'm not going to have him yell at me or what have you. And I and a really good friend who ran his advance and all uh, <clears throat> because of an event got fired. And I would never, I'm not going to, at this point in my life, I'll, I'll stick to Memorial Hospital 
the emergency room and other things that I'm happy with. You know, you know one of one of the you you you, love, you grew up fishing. You mentioned that, and so did I. I love fishing. I mean, my fishing room is, is my is my studio here. I was always like so impressed how you know Daddy Bush, President H. W. Bush, how he was almost like a child when he got around the water and wanted to fish. And you saw that, oh, didn't you? God, I did. I mean, and especially with Ray Scott bass fishing in Alabama, you know, every new year he spent with Ray Scott. And so I put about four or five different new years that I was going to be there. And it wasn't very far from here. You know, uh, it was just south of, uh, of um, Montgomery. I mean, it was 20 miles south of Montgomery, and so he'd land in the, the Air Force Base there in Montgomery, and uh, uh, it was a great, you know, ride, a little short motorcade to that facility and um, where he fished, and, and we had all the Bass Masters there, and man, let me tell you, when he got out there, he had a great time, and he, President always had one of the top bass guys fishing with him, Ray arranged that, and, um, you know, he loved it. He, he loved it. In fact, uh, I had Ray Scott before he got there. We were doing the advance, and Ray took me out. We fished, and uh, I pulled in a bass, and he, he said, Bob, grab the damn fish with your thumb in the mouth. And he said, don't, <laughs> he said, don't be a sissy. You know, and I'll never forget that. It's a big old mouth bass. And yeah. I said, you know, how can you, uh, you know, I'm doing this for free. I'm not getting paid for any of this. And, but how can you beat what I'm doing? You know, uh, it's so, it's so God is good. God's good. What an opportunity, man, to, to sort of rub shoulders, cross paths with someone who's such an important historical figure. And, you know, the, the, the inspiration, I mean, obviously I've studied him greatly, but but his inspiration through his thousand points of light statements and, and how he believed volunteerism in America was going to be the difference. Certainly it's been the difference here in coastal Mississippi. Bob, we're out of time, but man, let me tell you this. It's been a genuine pleasure to catch up with you to hear your story and let me let me thank you on behalf of all of coastal mississippi for being willing to step up to the plate the way you've been able to to step up for for hundreds of hours to be a volunteer and to and to lead by example and uh, we really appreciate that my friend thank you rick it's great being with you and we need a lot of volunteers at memorial so make the call you bet absolutely we'll we'll, we'll talk more about that going forward in, in the future as well this has been Bob Sawyer, and uh, it's been a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.